And uh, we're going to beginning reading, we're just going to read verses 3, 4, and 5. This is our lesson on spiritual authority, in case you haven't been able to be here for it. And so today, we are going to be talking about the important role of women in the church. Amen. The important role of women in the church. I will say this from the onset, and I think I'm going to try to prove it throughout this lesson. We cannot have revival without apostolic ladies. It's impossible. And it's not just because it's a good idea to have women in the church. It is. But there's a much more deeper spiritual reason why. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says this. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Every man that prays or prophesies having his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is even one and the same as if she were shaven. And we'll come back to this in just a few moments. But women are exceedingly important in the home and in the church. Amen. And to understand, I had to get at least a good amen from the ladies on that. <laughs> and if you're happily married and want to stay happily married, you better say amen. Men. To understand how important they are, consider this. To, who, to whom did Satan target in the very beginning? Was it the man or the woman? Was it not Eve, that serpent, that the serpent sought and, 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 and succeeded in beguiling? Eve, the Bible says, and she gave to her husband with her. And when Adam fell, all of humanity fell along with him. Consider this, that Satan had no power over humanity as long as God's established order of authority remained in the earth. As long as there was that spiritual hierarchy or order of authority that was there, then there was no problem and Satan had no foothold. He simply could not get in. So undermining his spiritual authority over creation was the only way. That was the only way for Satan to get in and get access to humanity. He could not tempt. Sin could not enter in. There was no other way for him to do it but to undermine that spiritual authority. So we went through Eve, and of course, you know the rest of the story. Eve was deceived. Praying men bring a spiritual protection over the home. And ladies either bring spiritual authority into the home or they will undermine it. And along with undermining that spiritual authority, they are undermining an umbrella of protection that protects the home against the enemy. Remember that when there is established spiritual authority in your home, the enemy cannot get in or cannot get a foothold. It's impossible. Now, people often seek to protect their homes by security systems bolted and locked doors, guard dogs, guns, and even self-defense classes like karate or uh, taekwondo, etc. And those things definitely have their place and they're fine, but their real protection comes by God's established order of authority. And why is that? Ephesians 6 and 12 says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, if, if I'm a burglar and I try to break into the Dornbach's home, he's, he may have a gun. I, don't, I should be worried about that because he's got a gun. He's going to use it. So... So you can, you can protect your home against those things. But no gun, no guard dog, no bolted door, no self-defense class is ever going to protect against those dark spiritual forces that seek 
to attack your children, to steal your peace, to murder your faith, to ruin your marriage, and send you and your children into a devil's hell and a lake of fire. There's no gun to protect you against that. But God has a protection plan, and it's free. It's called discipleship. It's spiritual authority. Because some people don't like authority, they don't like the word submit. I even had a girl years ago, this is actually one of the last weddings that I, that I did many years ago. This particular lady was not in church, but she worked with me, and she said she wanted me to perform the marriage for her and her boyfriend. So I did as, as, as kind of a ministry, kind of an outreach thing, you know, try to be a witness. And, and, and she, she wrote her vows to me, and she said, I don't want you to use the word submit. And she said, because I would not submit to my husband. Now, we would expect that from, from women that are not in church, that don't know the Lord, that don't know the truth, okay? Because that's kind of the way the world has gone, unfortunately. But needless to say, her wedding, her marriage didn't last very long. It only lasted about a month, I think. Then they were divorced. Well, gee, I wonder why. Why would you seek to tear down, whether intentionally or unintentionally, what God has ordained to protect you and your children? And there's only one reason why. It's carnal thinking. The problem is simple. Carnal people don't like to submit. Sheep will submit easily, but goats, not so much. The Bible says that in his great flock, there's both sheep and goats. And sometimes they kind of look alike. Unfortunately. Sometimes they dress alike, look alike, and act a lot alike. But they are not alike at all. And the difference is in their in their makeup. When you, when you are in Christ, you should be walking as a sheep, not a goat. And so there is, there is carnality we've got to deal with. Nobody, cannot, nobody can deny that life in the 30s and 40s was significantly different than it was today, than it is today. For example, married couples stayed together. In fact, during the 40s, statistically, there were only two divorces in every 1,000 couples. That was in the 40s. If you go back to the 30s, it's even fewer than that. Two couples divorced per every 1,000 couples. You know what it is today? Almost 50%. On top of that, there was significantly less crime. There was no terrorism. There was no school shooting. You know, you could argue, yeah, Hitler, yeah, there was World War II. There was a lot of bad things that were going on. But, but even when you consider all of that, it was life, life was better. There was no terrorism. There were no school shootings. There was no high teenage uh, suicide rates. Families stayed together. Women raised their kids. Men worked to provide. And kids felt the home was a safe place. Emotional health was key to all of that. Significantly key. What is it like now? A lot different, needless to say. We got schools that are getting, that are getting shot up. Uh, you know, we have... So many things, and I've got a limited time, but teenage suicide is the second leading cause of death among 15 to 19-year-olds. Now, it officially has surpassed heart disease, cancer, and every single congenital anomaly. And if you widen the age range from 15 to 24, you will see that suicide is not the second leading cause of death, but the leading cause of death among Kids that should be in the prime of their life and enjoying the best days of their life. School shootings, crime in the streets, angry kids, many of whom are on drugs just so they can cope with the pressures of being at home and at school. If your kid goes to a public school, chances are that in their circle of friends, there's a kid 
that has either attempted suicide or seriously considered it or tried it. Because the home has ceased to be a safe place in many cases. In many, not again, this is not in every case, but in many cases there's been, there's absent or abusive fathers, angry, bitter mothers, and the spiritual authority along with the covering that comes with it has been torn to shreds and we've allowed Satan into our society, one foothold at a time. And it happened when that spiritual authority and the covering began to be torn down and taken away. And it's true that as the home decays, society as a whole decays as well. We can clearly see now. We can clearly see that now. It's exactly what Satan did in the beginning to destroy Adam and Eve. If I can get a foothold and get them to sin, if I can tear down that spiritual hierarchy in their home, then I can succeed in, in, in causing all of humanity to fall. And whenever Adam and Eve sinned, what happened in the very next chapter of Genesis 4? Cain and Abel. And Cain rose up and killed and murdered his brother Abel. And it's interesting, whenever you read all that, when Eve is depressed and going through all these things and trying to deal with it all, where was Adam? Nowhere to be found. We're going to talk about that probably next week. Um, but Adam was just simply missing in action. Spiritual authority is not something to be trifled with. We have to get this right if we want our kids to be protected. Homes must be safe to produce healthy, emotionally healthy kids. They must be safe. And safe means that there is a man that is spirit-filled and baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus and living a good life, or at least the best life that he can. And he's praying, man, and he's walking in the spirit. And when he does that, there is a protection that comes on the whole home. And there is a lady that is in submission that is walking in her authority because she is submitted. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 says this. Again, this is going back to our text. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. Every man that prays or prophesies, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Because, But every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is even one and the same as if she were shaven. So, some people have said, well, 1 Corinthians 11 doesn't matter because it was an issue of culture back then. But that cannot be true. And here's why. Because Paul based it on the order of authority, on the order of creation. He, he's, he's, he starts off, and really when you read this chapter, the issue is really not hair, it's headship. That's really the subject of what he's talking about. And the reason why he's talking about this is because of the reason that I just talked to you about it. Spiritual authority is so important in the home. Because if Satan can tear up the home, if he can get fathers to be missing or absent, or abusive, if we can get mothers to be rebellious, if we can turn that topsy-turvy, then society is decayed. And crime and violence seep in. And what happens to, to a nation where there's a lot of crime, and a lot of violence, and a lot of, a lot of perversion? Just ask Sodom and Gomorrah. Every nation, and, and not, not just Sodom and Gomorrah, but, but Babylon also. And Greece and ancient Egypt and many other once great civilizations. You know, that's how Satan destroys entire nations. But the Bible says here, well, again, he's talking about the issue of headship. Men should not have their head covered when they pray. Women should have their head covered when they pray. Now, why? Why did he say that for? By the way, this is why years ago 
you know, they used to teach that men should take off their hats when they pray. They would read this verse and say men should have their heads uncovered. But there's, you know, it's not, it's not really, that's fine to be respectful of that. You know, I don't really care if you do or not personally. This is my own personal opinion, but that's not, he's not talking about a hat on your head. And he's not talking about a veil worn over the head of the women. Because the issue here is headship, and headship symbolizes authority. So when men pray with long hair, it's a shame and a disgrace. And spiritually, something is lost that is needed for prayers to be effective. Because going back to that verse, he says that if men pray with their head covered, then he is dishonoring his head. So who is his head? Well, his head is ultimately Christ. Okay? So when men pray with the long hair, it's a shame. Something is lost that is needed for prayers. Remember, the issue is the order of authority that God ordained in the earth. Adam allowed Eve to usurp his authority or his headship, and as a result, all of creation fell as a result of that. Now, on the other hand, Eve usurped her established head, which was Adam, and spiritual authority, that covering was removed, the covering that kept the serpent out. So today in God's church, God has ordained that the head be covered as a symbol of that established headship on the women and that the head be uncovered for the men as a symbol of that authority because headship. When you read about headship in Scripture, you know, you can read about, you know, throughout the book of Daniel, you know, Daniel saw this beast and it had like seven heads and the seven heads were seven what? Kings. Okay, so headship always symbolizes authority, who is leading the home. And again, when I say leading the home, I don't mean, you know, that your man is the boss and I say jump, you say how high. That's not leadership. That's that's stupidity. That's being a boss, not a leader is what that is. That's asking for a for a black eye or sleep on the couch is what that is. Okay. Leadership is different than being a boss. Okay, so we're talking about leading here, okay? Remember how Christ led. He served the church. He, he, he gave his life for the church. And the Bible gives forth that as an example that men ought to love the church as Christ loved. Men ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So in the sense of that he died for the church, okay? Now, okay, so watch this. So in today's church, God has ordained headship as a symbol, only a symbol, of that established authority. Verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. What happens when men pray covered? It dishonors their head. Who is their head? Again, going back to verse 3, the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. It's dishonorable to God when a man prays covered because God made him the head of the home. He is to take responsibility for that protective covering. You do not have a way out. Because even if, if you say, well, you know, I, I'm not married anymore. I'm not responsible for them kids. If you got kids, you are absolutely responsible for them. And you're responsible for what goes on in that home. And God is going to hold you accountable. In the same sense that pastors give account of their church, you will give account for your house, for how you raised your children, for how, for how you protected your wife. Did you provide for them to the best of your ability? Were you prayerful? Were you mindful of their feelings? Uh, were you, did you dwell with them according to knowledge? Did you love them as Christ of the church? Did you give your life for them? You know, w- was your life centered around this or were you absent? Were you a spiritual leader? Were you the kind of example that, that your children should, should live up to, would, should seek to live up to? Okay, so men cut their hair and they keep it short as a symbol of that. But women cover their head as a symbol of walking in the submission, in the submitted position God gave her to walk in. 
verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 11 says this, But every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is even one as if she were shaven. Paul teaches that having a head uncovered is dishonorable both to her head, which is, you know, her husband or the man, and ultimately God. And not only that, but and also it's dishonorable to herself. Because he says, for that's one, as if she were shaven. So shorn means, you know, to completely shave off. So that would be, of course, a dishonorable and undesired state for a woman, for having her head completely shaved off. Now, I know there are some in society who have done that. I'm not judging them at all. I'm just saying, generally speaking, okay, that's generally the case. Most women would not want their hair shaven off because it would be considered like a, a, a dishonorable state for them. Because their hair, the Bible you know, again, later on in 1 Corinthians, he talks about the woman's hair is her glory. It's a beautiful thing, you know, for, for a woman to have this glory. So, verse 6 says this. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if or since it's a shame for a woman to be shorn or saving, let her be covered. So, here's, here's, here's where it gets a little tricky. So, the question that the Corinthians asked was, in the Corinthian culture, women apparently out in the community wore veils over their head to symbolize that they were married. And a woman of ill repute, again, this was in their culture, would, would let her hair down and wear it long, and she would not have that head covered. And so the Corinthians were writing Paul, apparently, and they were asking him, do we keep this custom? Should our women wear a veil, okay, or should they not wear a veil? Should they wear a veil over their head or should they not wear a veil? And so Paul was attempting to answer this question, and here's... Here's, here's what I found in my studies. This word covered is from the Greek. It means katakalupto. Now, it may not mean anything to you, but what you need to know is this. If Paul was identifying an actual physical veil to be worn over that, he would have used a noun. But instead, he uses a verb, and that's what this verse is. Now, a verb, of course, is going to show action, but a noun is a person, a place, or a thing. Okay, so if he was, a, there was a specific word in the Greek for, for, for veil, and he uses that later in Corinthians, which we're going to get to in just a moment. Okay, but so a verb shows action, and Paul doesn't identify what the covering is at this point, only that there should be a covering, something that covers the head. In every place up to this point in 1 Corinthians 11 until verse 15, this word covering is a verb. But when he gets to verse 15, he switches the word for covering. Now, in your English Bible, it just says covering. But in the Greek, these words are very different. Look at verse 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. Now, this word covering here, he uses a different word. It's parabolian, and it's a noun. It's not a verb. It's a noun, and it means a mantle or a veil. Now he uses the actual word that the Corinthians would have been familiar with for what they were asking if they should wear. Paul says that a woman's long hair is given to her for a covering. This word for, again, I know I'm going back to the Greek, but we have to understand this text. This word for is, means in place of or in the stead of in the Greek. So a woman's long hair is given to her for or instead of that, that veil that the Corinthians would have worn. And so what Paul was saying was that you don't have to wear a veil over your head when you pray. He doesn't care what they do outside in the culture, wear a veil or not wear a veil. He doesn't really care, but he's talking about when you pray, this is what it should be. That a woman should have long, uncut hair, or he says long hair, because of uh, 
that that hair is given to her in the stead of this covering. Now, kameo in the Greek, uh, uh, this word kameo is, is what Paul used when he talked about long hair. Because here's the next thing is, it just says long hair, it doesn't stay uncut. So why do we teach that women shouldn't cut her hair? So glad you asked. This word kameo in the Greek is what, again, we have to know the Greek. From, uh, from several different Bible dictionaries, Brown, Brown Driver Briggs, uh, uh, Danker's Dictionary Sayers, and many more, defines kameo as this. It signifies to let the hair grow, to wear the hair long. Again, that may not mean anything to you, but you have to know this. It's a verb. Long hair, we know hair in, the, in our English Bible is a noun. Long is an adverb describing hair, right? Okay, or an adjective. <laughs> an adjective. Sorry, I got a C in English class many years ago. <laughs> I was close. No, it's an adjective. It's an adjective. So long hair, I mean, I can understand the confusion because, you know, you don't, if you don't know the Greek. But again, whenever you go back to the Greek, this word long hair is kameo, and it's, it's, one, it's one word. To have long hair. In the, in the Greek is one word, kameo. It's a verb. It shows action. In other words, let the hair grow. Sorry, long hair is hair that is allowed to grow. It's hair that's continuously growing. Leave it alone and let God determine its length. That's the understanding. Because your covering is your prayer mantle. Now, here's, here's another thought. Is if it doesn't mean uncut hair, then what does it mean? Down to the shoulders? Because I know women that does, hair doesn't grow down to her shoulders. I can give you names. So should we say, well, down to the back? How long, how long, how much longer are we going to have Pastor Gary measure, get out the measuring rod and start measuring hair, you know, as they come in? Of course not. So it must mean long hair or else God is arbitrary in his judgment. Okay? And furthermore, verse 10, he says this. He kind of throws a curveball here. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Why does he talk about angels? Remember, last week's lesson from Ephesians 5, 22 through 32. Where I don't have time because I'm officially out of time, actually. Where he says this, that men are a type of Christ and women are a type of what? The church. Okay? So if you don't understand that, then, then listen to last week's lesson and I proved that scripturally. Okay, women are a type of the church. Ephesians 3 and 10 says this, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So, Paul said that the church is literally teaching the angels about the relationship between Christ and the church. Okay, so, so, the, so the church teaches the angels how the church is submitted to Christ. And the angels who were present at creation and saw the rebellion of Lucifer are especially sensitive to the idea of rebellion. And so angels look to our ladies to see how the church is submitted to Christ. And that is the spiritual principle. And that is the covering. Remember in Psalms where he said the angel of the Lord encamps right about them that fear him and delivers them. There is a covering over your own. And literally when you go back to this word mantle, it means veil. Literally your, your long cut hair and your submission to God is that mantle or veil or that prayer shawl that you put on. Amen. And so apostolic women are entangled in spiritual things when they pray. So much more than we will ever realize. We cannot have revival with out our ladies because you bring the mantle that this church desperately needs. And last, as we stand, I'm sorry, I'm three minutes over. Let me just leave you with this thought. Um, this word power, power in the head because of the angels, is from the Greek. 
okay? And it means exousia. And it's not the same power when he said the Holy Ghost power will come upon you. But this word exousia, it literally means restraining power. And it's the idea that Paul said, or sorry, that, 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 uh, that, that, that Jesus said when he said, I've got power to lay down my life. I've got power to resist my flesh, to take up my cross, and I've got power to restrain my flesh. That's the power that he said that that women have on their head. It's restraining power. It's power that allows your prayers to be so effective that it literally pushes back and restrains evil and bad things from taking place in your life. And there is an anointing that comes on your home and in your life. I'm not saying you're going to go to heaven or hell with or without it. I'm just saying this. I want a covering over my home. I want my wife's prayers to be effective and to be fervent. I want my wife's prayers to be taken to a whole new level in God. I want to be of those that the angels would say, I know they fear God. I know that they love the Lord, so I've got to camp right about them because they fear the Lord. Let's lift our hands and thank God for that right now. Hallelujah.